Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast. My name is Chris Ballas. With me, Doug Skeen. We've missed you, Skeen. Michigan's former All-Big Ten offensive lineman. First things first, Skeen. Cheers to 2022 resolutions you can actually keep. Uh, I'm off to a bad start. Uh, how about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year, Skeen and everybody else, and make the ball drop into 2022. The, the ball drop into 2022, the cleanest and sexiest ever. Set your first New Year's resolution with good intentions and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use, I think it's, what is it, Clay Go Blue 20? Blue 20? 20 go blue. 20 go blue, damn it, uh, for 20% off and free shipping. So uh, I'm going to use Manscaped on my hair. You know, Skeen, I came into this podcast. I've had the Rona. I don't know. I think I told you. So I've been down and out for about two weeks now. And I did tell, uh, uh, I knew I was going to get crap from Chris Stapleton about this mop of hair on my head. So uh, like you said, maybe I'll use those manscaping tools on my hair because uh, I haven't had a chance to get a haircut. So this is a guy, this is your former teammate and punter. Uh, who used to oh, I know Stapleton. Yeah, he, he and I text throughout the season, yep. Yeah, yep. yeah, and then this guy used to freaking have a mullet, and here he is ripping about me on my hair because now, <laughs> now he's a pretty boy. Uh, and yeah. because he did some acting in Hollywood, uh, and, uh, yeah. you know, the guy, uh, by the way, he's a pretty talented actor, I have to admit. So yeah, We're not on Stapleton's level. No, no, no. Um, and he's a pretty good guy. Anyway, Skeen, uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, first things first, the Jim Harbaugh rumors. And uh, we were talking off the air here for a minute and, uh, about the changing landscape of college football. And Bill Parcells once said something to you, your coach at New England, and he said, every team is different. I don't care how many of you are back. If we have 90% of our guys here, uh, it's different. The NFL is different than college football. Uh, maybe it's not as much anymore. And the trend is that the – yeah, college football is becoming more and more like the NFL. Yeah, that was uh, that was 1993 or four when I was in New England there, and we had a team meeting, and Bill Parcells was talking to the team. It was an off season. It was one of those off season, you know, uh, meetings there, and and the point that you described there was absolutely valid, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Certainly in the NFL more than it did in college, but I think it applied to college back then. Certainly more now. Whatever your team is uh, this year, championship, no championship, it doesn't matter the sport, the next year's team will be different. The chemistry is different. The roster is going to be maybe slightly different or very different. doesn't matter. But each and every season is of its own self. And what you did last year does not automatically mean you're going to have success next year. And what you say you're going to do next year has nothing to do with this year. And that was the point that Coach Parcells made. It really stuck with me. Uh, um, and I, as I look back on, on my career and through all the way back through high school, I can think about, yeah, gosh, that is so true that those teams were so different. And while at Michigan, we had a lot of success in each one of those teams with a championship team, but they were very different. 
And so now flash forward to where we are today in college football with all the changes in the transfer portal and the NFL pressures and the NIL money now. This Michigan team that we just watched this last season win the Big Ten, beat Ohio State, do all those things. Obviously, got crushed in the, in the playoff game there. But that team, that team that we see this fall show up in Ann Arbor could look absolutely, totally night and day different roster-wise and coaching-wise from what we just watched. And that may be the new standard in college football because of all the possibilities of movement that's going on. Yeah, I hate to sound like the old guy, get off my lawn type, but man, I miss it. You knew that <laughs> in the early 1990s that, you know, maybe a guy would get an opportunity and move on. Uh, Bo Schembechler certainly had several assistants do it, but he would plug the new guys in uh, and they were very similar to the old guys and the culture didn't change. And that was that's the big thing about this, right, is that the culture, uh, ideally, the culture remains the same. And it's easier said than done in these this day and age because you don't know who's going to be here and who's not. Uh, to me, the culture, he fixed it in the year uh, ahead of schedule. Jim Harbaugh, and I give him credit for that. Brought in some good, young, talented coaches, Steve Klinkscale, Ron Bellamy, Mike Hart, uh, right down the list. Uh, was pr promoted Sharon Moore, did a great job on the offensive line. But you need to replicate that. It's not a one-year deal in college football. It makes their job harder now. Uh, if Assuming Jim Harbaugh stays and he's still flirting with the NFL, and part of me believes that Harbaugh understands that the challenge now is a lot different than it was 15 years ago, then uh, assuming he does come back, that's a big challenge for him. Well, Ballas, I think Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the of, of college coaches understand how fast – things are changing now with the, again, with the NIL and the transfer deal. And again, all, all the coaches that you just listed off did a, did a really great job last year and creating a team to win a big 10 championship. That was, that was great. It feels like that culture that was built has now across college football has shattered as guys can transfer whenever they feel like and go play wherever they want. No questions asked. And, the money that is now influencing roster changes with the NIL influence and in, in some of the teams that have openly publicly talked about 25 to $30 million budgets to go build a freshman class. I think that was Texas A&M. Uh, I, you know, if I'm Jim Harbaugh or if I'm Ryan day or I'm any college coach, I'm looking around going, how in the world do I keep up with this? Knowing that I have no control over my roster other than, to make it as as attractive as possible to stay here, but I have no contractual obligation to uh, for my players to stay here. They can they can transfer whenever they want, and so that feeling, boy, if, if like I said, if I'm Jim Harbaugh or Ryan Day or Kirby Smart or any of these coaches, and the NFL comes calling where they do have roster management regulations and rules and free agency and the draft, and it's very very strict. I'm, I'm giving a hard look and I'm giving a listen to the NFL because at least there, I know there's some certainty that I'm going to be on an equal playing field with the rest of my competitors. And I'm, I know it's a cynical way to look at it, but I think it's a real way to look at it, Ballas, that these are the realities now of college football. And if, if you're one of the, if you're one of the teams on the outside looking in, you don't have a $30 million budget to go recruit a freshman class. I'm not sure that I would want to play that game either, knowing <laughs> that it's not a level playing field.
Yeah, A. And B, when you're trying to level the playing field with things like satellite camps and you know, they've been back and forth about how effective that was or would be, and then the NCAA comes down on you for that and makes that disappear, even though they're turning a blind eye to all of the debauchery going on in college football, I don't think it's cynical. I think you're being a realist uh, about how the deck is stacked against these teams other than the top two, three, four that are willing to, you know, to play the game. Now, it has leveled out a little bit with NIL, but at the same time, you know, NIL was not supposed to be that recruiting tool where you're promising kids so and so much and so <laughs> forth to, to come to your school, but that's exactly what it's become. That, that, is, that, is, that, is, that is exactly what has happened, Ballas. Yep. There are, there are, it's a whole industry now because the money now is part of the offer and and guys are transferring all over the place with the allure that so-and-so is going to have money. And, and let's, let's say, let's just say Ballas, let's say you're an all big 10, maybe an all American safety at Indiana. Let's just make that up. Right. And you're a junior or you're a sophomore and, and you're a guy that, that ended up there maybe, maybe Michigan or Ohio state or whoever didn't, didn't give you an offer and you ended up in Indiana, but you're a superstar now. And you got a couple of years left. You're telling me the NCAA, it's going to have some magical powers to keep, I don't know, a team from the South contacting your people. Let's just say your parents, your uncle, whoever it is, and say, hey, uh, you got two years left of eligibility. You know, hey, no offense, but you're at Indiana. You're an All-American. Uh, how about you come down to our school where we'll pay you a million bucks a year for the for your last two years and maybe some more. Um, how do you feel about that? And of course, that doesn't go direct to the player or through this through anybody in the school because that would be official NCAA tampering. But I don't think for a second that that's not already going on, and that's the dark side of the NIL in the transfer portal and the way it works today in college football. And I believe you're going to see this. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. We are already seeing it. It's funny. I was talking to Sean Morris from the Big Ten Network. He does the works on the basketball side of things. Um, Northwestern grad. And he said, you know, the day's coming when halfway through a season, a team understands that they need a point guard to compete for a national championship. And they're going to challenge and say, look, you know, this kid wants to transfer halfway through the season. You know, why should we punish him for, you know, wanting to go somewhere else where he's got a better opportunity? And you start poaching kids from teams in the middle of the year. He said, how far are we from that? And, yeah. you know, people can laugh and scoff and say that'll never happen. There have been things that are happening in college football that I never thought would happen. And well, it, I, here's another example of that, Ballas. So, so without tampering, right, how, how does how does a coach signal to that point guard, I want you on my team without calling the player because that's against the NCAA rules? Well, here's what you do. You go onto that kid's Twitter profile or his Instagram profile and you just follow him. Yeah. And again, if, I, if I'm the All-American safety at Indiana or I'm the point guard at whatever school, and all of a sudden I look at my 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 social media and the head coach of, uh, wow, the head coach of a national championship contending school is suddenly following me. Hmm. I wonder why he's doing that. Well, and and right. that's not against the rules. If, right. if I'm a coach in a team that has $50 million in NIL money to go get a team and I just decide I'm going to follow Chris Ballas from a uh, safety from Indiana. Um, boy, there's, there's, this is how this is happening today. This is happening. Yeah. And yep. so there's your signal. Boy, I guess I should get a hold of somebody down at uh, XYZ school. And, right. and boy, again, how does this revert back to Michigan? 
again, with the situation with Coach Harbaugh, and I say beyond that, uh, any any talented coach that's looking or maybe getting an opportunity in the NFL, I'm giving a hard look to that saying, I this is crazy. Yeah, I agree 100%. You're fighting a losing battle is the way I look at it. And not to sound like a defeatist, you know, and we've seen that he can still win championships, you know, but to say, okay, this is where you are. We're going to tie two hands behind your back, you know, and maybe put a brick on your feet and throw you in the water. And uh, good luck, you know, have fun. Well, <laughs> good. you know, I think that that's one way to look at it, Ballas. But the other way is Mich- Michigan's going to play this NIL thing and they're going to, you know, yeah. do their part to compete in the transfer portal as well. But what I'm simply saying, and, and I talked about this before, the team in Austin, Texas, and the team in College Station, Texas, those those two schools in particular have more money to throw around and go buy a roster <laughs> than I would guess any team in the country. And now there's really nothing stopping them from doing it. And so, right. uh, and that, again, not that Michigan or Michigan State or, or Ohio State's not going to play this game. They are. I just have a feeling, this is my opinion, I have a feeling, having lived there for eight years and still you know, being aware of what goes on down there, the passion and the culture and the amount of money in the state of Texas to win college football games is nothing like we see here in the Midwest. Yeah, exactly. There's no question about it. And all you have to do is go to their message boards. Texas A&M and Texas are always right up there. It is, uh, it's a religion. Saturday is the holy day of obligation, as Bob Uper used to say down there. It is literally nuts. And so, all right, let's start talking about this team uh, for next year. It's going to look entirely different. And we were just talking about different rosters and everything else. And uh, we there are assumptions that you make when you look at a roster, which is kind of, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I, I date myself, but I go back to 1985 versus 1986 and, and the defense in 1985 and how good they were. Not the most talented group, but an unbelievable group that played so well together. Lost maybe one guy or two guys, and the entire defense was different in 1986. So that's something you have to, you have to caution yourself and say, just because you have so and so many re- returning starters, it's going to be the same. However, we look at this offensive line, and uh, they've got some key pieces coming back. Ryan Hayes, Trevor Keegan, Zach Zinter. Uh, you lose Andrew Stuber and Andrew Bastardis, who are huge pieces. Everybody assumes, because you've got this the All-American coming in, Olu, Oluwatimi from Virginia at center, the, and Carson Barnhart, a guy who has played, that this thing's not going to, fade at all uh what's the danger in that assumption a and b how different is it when you plug in a new center uh this this is a guy who by all accounts i think he was third in the remington uh voting for nation's best center but uh it's a different dynamic right and you just really don't know what you're going to get well the things you listed off there are all the positives right so the returning players and there's there's a there's a culture inside that offensive line meeting room that already exists the question yep. will be for this young man coming over and coming into the program, how will he adapt? And it, it really comes down to a personal chemistry thing. And I, I obviously have no idea about this young man, but he comes in with a humble heart and an eagerness to fit in and learn. And th- I think things will be fine. I'm, and I mean, off the field, in the, in the meeting room, in the locker room, around town with his teammates, the social side of things. And as long as that falls into place, the football will fall into place afterwards. What you hope is, is that that that's exactly what happens because the opposite, the guy comes in, you know, I'm all that in a bag of chips and I'm an All-American and you're not. That, that'll be a disaster. Um, but I, And I'm not saying that would happen. I have no, no idea. But I think 
physically you can watch him play and you go, wow, all right, this kid's got the size, he's got the athleticism. Clearly, he's pretty doggone good. So as long as we can fit in the 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 Michigan the Michigan culture and the Michigan social vibe that's that exists within that building and around town, everything should be fine. Um, the difference is, it's like changing any offensive lineman when you play center guard tackle you get so used to that guy you're playing next to the the habits the vocalizations what you're what you're really hearing you know the pace at which things work and you just get a feel for each other working together in that offensive line and whether you're replacing Vistardis or Stuber or whoever it is just like all the decades before it just takes time and reps and then, you know, you just sort of get used to each other. And that will have to happen with this young man coming in to play center. And it's going to have to happen over there with Barnhart or whoever else replaces Stuber at right tackle. And so it's a natural process, Ballas. And it usually takes about one offseason and one spring. And by the end of fall, when you're ready to play that first game, you should be ready to go. And ironed all, excuse me, all those things out. And it's not as daunting as you think it is, as long as the personality stuff falls in place. Right. And the longer you play together, the more you guys get to understand your tendencies and everything else. And so, and that's the thing that you've always talked about is three years together, you know, when Steve Everett's in there, you know, going to the bathroom or something like that, or needs to, or what he's doing (laughs) or what he's thinking on the field. So you do, you um, just, you just, you get to know each other so well, you just kind of know where he's going. You could close your eyes and plug your ears, and you could. T- I can. I can tell you where he's gonna be, and and just to this to this day, I you know I could if if Everett and I lined up today, and we you called you know fifty one slide left or whatever. I could to this day I can tell you I kind of know where he's gonna be, and he's gonna kind of know where I'm at. That just right. happens when you do things a couple million times together. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to get him on a podcast, by the way, and we'll have the sensors ready. But uh, we're going to get him on here in about three weeks. And, uh, uh, man, we've done podcasts with him in the past, and it's been uh, fantastic. So uh, you guys are great representatives. Um, I, I do want to ask your opinion uh, real quick again. And I know we've talked about last year's line, and sure, the job Sharon Moore did quite a bit. But um, what did you see different? that from this year's line than maybe in some past, because there there's always been talent. I was watching John Runyon Jr. play with Green Bay out there dominating yeah. people. When he, he had a good, real, or yeah. he did. And he'd had a good career here. And you'd look at four or five guys there that are playing in the NFL. I thought this year's line was more connected and played better than any of those lines, frankly. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not ripping on anybody or saying anything. I'm just making an observation here. Uh, what's yeah. the difference? Do you think it's just a group of guys that that just played well? They played well together. Yeah, well, clearly they played well together. We can look at yeah. that. We can break down the pressures and the sacks and uh, the amount of time that those quarterbacks had without pressure, and so in the in the running game effectiveness and how they just physically got better in their own individual techniques. Um, and Ed Warner, preceding Coach Moore, started this process right. And so before Ed Warner, I thought that offensive line was kind of a hot mess. Uh, they looked uncertain. 
They uh, they had all kinds of statistical problems giving up pressures. Ed Warner comes in says I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna simplify things, which clearly they did. And yet, still, obviously, Coach Harbaugh made a change there, and we all had questions, myself included. But Coach Moore took them to the next level. Now, part of that is obviously Coach Moore's ability to influence these young men to get better. The other part is you got a guy like Bastardus, who was a veteran, and Stuber, a veteran, and other guys that had experience in there, and a nice mix of young guys trying to get on that field. That magical potion came together. Every unit in the football program, has to have a couple leaders in their individual room. And so you could say last year in the offensive line, clearly Vistardis was one of those guys, and, and Stuber probably another one, Hayes at left tackle, and then you have the young guys coming on. And so that had a massive impact on their ability to get better throughout the course of the season. And so, but again, the credit goes to Coach Moore because he's the head uh, offensive line coach who organizes that unit. So I have a hard time describing it other than to say whatever was going on off the television cameras, Ballas on game day, whatever was going on in that locker room that that prevented that previous group of offensive linemen that are all playing in the NFL and playing really well from performing as well as this one. Um, I really have a hard time describing it, although I will tell you this. The effectiveness of the quarterback play absolutely has a has an impact on how well an offensive line looks the quarterback play that michigan had last year of not forcing the ball not hanging on to it too long getting rid of it and living for another down those things absolutely create positive performances for an offensive line and the previous quarterback before mcnamara um struggled in that department a little bit. So we, yeah. we just didn't have the effective quarterback play that we needed. And that, you know, I'm not killing on Joe Moulton or Moulton, Joe Moulton here. Mo, sorry. Milton. And Patterson before him, Joe Milton. It's yeah. just, it just is what it is. So to have a great offensive line, you can watch it in the NFL playoffs today. You want to have a great offensive line. You need to have a really good quarterback behind them that can make that offensive line look better. And it looks like Michigan's got two, and that'll be interesting, too. Are you as interested as I am to see how that plays out? Before we get there, i got to bring up the uh, the Manscaped. Did, you, did we get you a Manscaped kit yet? Have you seen one uh, arrive on your them. door? Although, although I did just cut my hair the other day, so okay. I don't have much yeah. to... You could probably use the lawnmower 4.0 to cut your hair, but we're gonna, you know, if you want to, if you want to cut cartoon shapes into your other, you know, the, the the hair on the, you know, you need these special tools. So we'll get you hooked up. That's exactly what I'm gonna do here when we're done. Too much information, I know, but you know, Woody Woodpecker or something, you know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, I forgot where I was going with this, but I, we were yeah. talking. We were talking about. We, we, no, we were talking about the offensive line. We were talking about next year and, and, and right, earlier right. in this. The quarterbacks. You had mentioned, you know, yes. next year's team is going to look look so much different. It will more defensively yep. than offensively, but offensively, right. boy, we're going to have a lot of talented guys back on this offense, and we're we're going to lose two quarterbacks. Quarter, quarterbacks, do? running backs, wide receivers, both tight ends, all three tight ends. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of positive things to say look at all this we got coming back again someone else is going to have to lead over there whoever was leading is going to have to lead even better I would expect that to happen offensively there's a lot to be excited about it's the defensive side of the ball where I go "Ooh, yeah 
yikes. How, how do you replace Hutch and Ajabo and Hinton in the middle and Ross and Dax Hill? And that defense is going to be challenged for all these young men to say, I'm going to be the next dude to step up and meet expectations because I want to have the same kind of season that they did. And I want to go have the NFL opportunities that they are getting. So it's time to step up and play. And for us fans, we go, all right, who's it going to be? Yeah, and, yeah, it's going to be interesting at quarterback. Uh, how do you feel about a platoon? Because I'm I'm thinking, man, that that's where we're headed in game one. I, You know, maybe for the non-conference portion of the – and maybe that's the right thing to do, uh, to see how these <clears> guys <throat> do. I understand it's not ideal. It's I don't think it's ideal. I've always said that, and I've watched this throughout college football. But if Jim Harbaugh or whoever the head coach is at that time – wants to keep both on his roster, he's going to have to play both. Because yeah. one will hit the NIL, uh, I'm sorry, the transfer portal and go get some NIL money to go lead some other team somewhere else. There's nothing stopping that from happening other than the player himself. And so I think it's just going to be the way it is. And I think, you know, part of the reason uh, last year in that defense, you saw so many substitutions uh, on and off the field. Obviously, McDonald's uh, defensive packages and his schemes called for it, but when you involve 20, 30 guys in a regular playing rotation, suddenly they all feel like starters. They all feel like they have a heavy hand in the outcome of the game. And, and instead of 11, 12, 15 guys playing an entire game, you double that. Now you've eliminated 15, maybe 20 guys from looking at the NCAA transfer portal because you're not playing enough. I think this is a trend you're going to see throughout college football for coaching staffs to try to get more guys on the field more often so they can retain their rosters. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, we're going to let you go here. I do want, for the young guys, Woody Woodpecker is a cartoon character. And uh, <laughs> if Skeen, I bought a, a pin in 1982, I think, or no, it was 1979, that said Woody is a pecker. And I got it at... Michigan Stadium. Can you imagine that happening today? <laughs> it's like still have it downstairs in my in my office. And so very interesting stuff. But yeah, anyway, I, I, uh, I, can, I can imagine you outside the stadium selling these T-shirts, Ballas. And probably. you probably sell a lot of them. I do think I do think that most Americans still have a pretty good sense of humor. And I yeah. and I know that uh, there's a lot of people that want to eliminate that kind of thing, um, but I yeah, I still think a lot of people would look at that, especially those folks our age, and say, yeah, that's kind of funny. yeah, it was. I thought it was funny, so that's why I bought it. <laughs> it is I was, funny. When I was ten years old. <laughs> so sorry, mom. <laughs> Anyways, Doug Skeen, Michigan's former All Big Ten offensive lineman Skeen, I appreciate your time as always, folks. Go to Manscaped Twenty Go Blue uh, to get uh, your tools, and uh, I'm telling you, uh, it's unbelievable. Skeen will get your package in the mail. So appreciate you being here. We'll get you on in a couple of weeks, uh, hopefully with Steve Everett and a couple other your teammates, man. We, I got a list here, buddy. Uh, I want to know All what right. Joe Kakuza's up to. I want to talk about his bear hunting ex expeditions and everything else. And oh, yeah. uh, so uh, we've got uh, we got a list of guys. All right, we'll do that. That'll be fun this off season. So once again, thanks for having me. Go Blue.